1: to the podcast, Near and Queer to My Heart. I'm your host, Amanda G. Also, happy Mardi Gras. I love Mardi Gras season. It is the drinking season of drinking seasons. Very excited for it. Also very excited for this podcast we're about to bring you. We have Elang, local New Orleanian, writes her own original songs, has performed on Greetings from Queer Mountain, performed in Fringe Fest, written her own Fringe Fest, plays you she's amazing i really appreciated getting to know her a little better and getting that insight after her interview stay tuned you're going to hear one of her original songs performed live so let's get to it i am here with elang your performer name, Eling. Mm-hmm. I don't yes. know what you want folks to call you out E-Lang there. e
0: works, and also Erica Bradley more often these days. Yeah,
1: that's right. You did get married, and we're going to talk about that. <laughs> is that weird that your performer name is like e but then you got married and now it would be like E-Brad, but you haven't quite made that change? So,
0: in all the name change discussions, we definitely talked about the stage name. Also, decided to keep e as e and it was just another step in keeping, like, the stage character separate from who I am as a person, which is a line that blurs and comes back together every once in a
1: while. Yeah, no, I always struggle with that, too. So, yeah. you know, everyone wants to know all about you. where did you grow up?
0: I was born and raised here in New Orleans. Between when I was born and nine months old, my parents owned and ran a bar on Frenchman Street, which is was formerly the Dream Palace. Currently, in its current iteration, is the Blue Nile. And then when I was about nine months old, we moved out to Lake Vista. And so I don't have too many, you know, not for being nine months old, memories there. When I, I think, was in the second grade, they started kind of managing that, that bar and that building again from the time I was in second grade to the time I was in seventh grade.
1: So you were, like, going a Frenchman in the Blue Nile as a child? Yep. Oh, man. Yeah. See, everyone that grows up in New Orleans gets the coolest stories. Like, mm-hmm. I grew up in the suburbs of L.A. <laughs> Nothing happened. I'm sure things happen in the suburbs of LA. Yeah, we, like, made it to the finals of softball one time. Like, we don't have the cool stories. Like, my parents, I... They never took... They still don't take me to bars. I'm 34, but... There you go.
0: It was really cool. So, it was... It became weird, basically, when I started going out as an adult. And everyone would be, you know, 17, 18 years old. And everyone's like, yeah, let's go down to Frenchman. And we'd go down, and I would get up on the balcony up there, and I'd be like, I used to do my homework out here. (laughs) Definitely good for uh, making conversations with people in that bar. Like, yeah, I used to live here.
1: Yeah. Or at least you weren't over it. Like, you're like, I've been going here 15 years. Like, find somewhere new. Right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that that street has changed, you know. So the iterations have each been really different from when I was there as a kid to when I started going out there to where it's like now, so...
1: Yeah, so Frenchman Street, I moved uh, to New Orleans in 2008. And when I moved there, Frenchman Street was this gem that all the locals knew. And musicians played everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it was... You just went there, and it was, like, all local. It was basically, like, Bourbon Street, but for local, so it wasn't as crazy, but it was, like, drinks on the street and music and happiness. And then, slowly, in the last few years, mm-hmm. like, the tourists figured it out. Mm-hmm. Someone put it in a Fromer's Guide or some shit or put it on the I don't know. The word got out, and then all the tourists kind of migrated there mm-hmm. uh, from Bourbon. It, it doesn't have the same feel, a lot of people say. Yeah. I'm a, I've only known it 10 years. You've known it, clearly, your whole life.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it's definitely different now. You know, I went to NOCA... In high school, which is the New Orleans Center of Performing Arts. So, a lot of people that I went to high school are, you know, that I went to high school with were are now like jazz performers and musicians. So, what I've always appreciated about Frenchman Street is it keeping my friends employed,
1: <laughs> which has always been nice. You're so supportive.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know.
1: So, you went to NOCA. NOCA is mm-hmm. a really awesome school. Um, there's a lot of performing opportunities. Where well, you mm-hmm. were doing theater? Yes. Were you, okay. In a musical theater class of 06. Okay. Mm hmm. I'm a little older than you, but not not too <laughs> too much older. So I li- I like this. Mm-hmm. We'll keep going. Um, yeah, yeah. I just aged myself a little bit there. Yeah. Well, and they have to do math though. So I'm 30. <laughs> I just turned. 30. Okay, she did your math for you. I did. <laughs> She's so nice. I was like, you have to make them do a math or a riddle to figure that shit out.
0: Well, coming from a performing arts high school, math not a strong suit
1: for me <laughs> Did you even have math there? We
0: did not have math there.
1: <laughs> or did you sing it? Was it like a singing thing?
0: It so yeah. So if math was in the script, we would you know sing it or speak it as needed. Um, but well, the way the program actually worked was you would, current now the current iteration of NOCA I believe has like academic classes for those students, and you can go to NOCA full time for high school I believe. Um, at that time, I basically did the half day program where you would go to regular high school and take four hours of class, get on a bus or hitch a ride with a cooler older friend who had a car. And head downtown to NOCA for singing class, and then you would have to take a third, uh, a fifth, a fifth hour, basically of your social studies class. It um, sounds like way more work than my high school. It is, <laughs> it is, because well, then you have rehearsals on top of that. So you would spend your summers like I spent. And some people would take classes. We took classes at UNL. I took some classes at Delgado
1: to get those like last credits. And then you graduated high school. Mm-hmm. Where, where to next? Next, I moved to the Big Apple. Oh, you moved to New York, so you just went? I did. I just went to New York.
0: Good for you. Yeah. It was really cool. So my senior year of high school was, I graduated class of 2006, so that was the year of Katrina, was my senior year. And I've been kind of preparing, a lot of what NOCA does is it prepares you for BFA musical theater. Bachelor of Fine Arts, that's the goal. So you spend your whole senior year preparing your auditions. You know, your 16 ballad, 16 bar ballad, the 32 ballad up tempo. Serious monologue, comedic monologue, and then something else for extra.
1: see. All of that sounds like a foreign language to me. <laughs> well, you're already professional in high school, and I have no idea. <laughs> oh
0: gosh. Well, th- that's really what the goal is. And a lot of my friends that went through that program, like, have gone to on to do a lot of professional theater, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. But that year was, you know, it was hard. I, you know, I didn't. I ended up going to a school in Virginia for that Katrina semester, that winter semester. I was away from my family, my friends were all across the country, and so I really just started to question whether singing and dancing for my profession was the right thing to do. And I was kind of also being honest with myself about, like, what I would look like auditioning for regional theater, what I would look like auditioning for New York shows, and, like, that kind of traditional musical theater path didn't feel right for me anymore. So I went to, I started, when I started applying for colleges, I, I did a couple of auditions for VFA programs, which... I didn't prepare properly for and I didn't end up feeling great about. But I really started wanting to go to this one school um, in New York called Eugene Lang. I knew that they had concentrations instead Mm. of majors. Everyone just gets a BA in Liberal Arts. (laughs) Very, very cool. And the school has a particularly great, like, liberal history, which is wonderful. And I really liked the idea that I wouldn't have to decide what I wanted to do for two years. I liked the idea of being in New York. I traveled there a lot. My mom had lived there. My sister had been in college up there. So.
1: Okay. So you had a little taste for it.
0: Yeah. And so I ended up going and I spent a couple of years up there.
1: Yeah. What did you end up not majoring? Concentrating. Concentrating. What did you end up concentrating in?
0: I ended up concentrating in
1: religious studies. Oh wow! I wasn't ready for that.
0: Yeah. Okay. The, what
1: brought you to religious studies?
0: Yeah, my um, my freshman year, they you take a a class that's taught by your academic advisor, and my academic advisor that I was randomly assigned to, and that one of the classes I took from her was encountering religious pluralism. And I grew up kind of what my family fondly called a Delhi Catholic, which is where you go down and you pick and choose the parts of oh. Catholicism that you're cool with, and I kind of fashioned myself an ag- agnostic atheist-ish, and I just really loved that professor. I loved her class, I love her approach to discussion, I loved the subject matter, and just, it turned out, over the course of two years, my two favorite professors were religious studies professors, so I, that ended up being where most of my credits were, so and I was like, oh, might as well, <laughs> halfway there. Yeah. And that's kind of how that happened.
1: That makes sense. Did you have an idea with what you wanted to do with a religious studies degree? No. Or were you going to get back into theater, <laughs> like, or were you just... Yeah. Like, this is, because for me, that's how it was in college. Like, I went to a college with majors, and I majored in five different things by the end of my first semester, because I fell in love with this, I fell in love with political science, I fell in love with history, I fell in love with film, I fell in love with, all like, economics at one point, and business. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm going to be a businesswoman, and then I was like, I don't want to be a businesswoman. This sounds terrible. So, you know, I went through all those changes, but I had no idea what I wanted to do. Yeah. At the end of it. I just followed what was interesting to me until it was no longer interesting, because we're all 18, 19, 20, and
0: that's <laughs> how life works. Yeah. I think what kind of happened was, so Lane has a really amazing writing program. Um, most of the classes that you take are cross-listed with the writing program and can be a credit towards that writing concentration. You had to choose a primary genre and a secondary genre. I really love playwriting. I love that I was connected to theater, but in a different way. But you couldn't choose playwriting as your primary genre. You could only choose it as your secondary because they only offered two playwriting classes. Oh,
1: so they pushed the religion on you, huh? Oh, yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> well, I just, I didn't want to take a lot of either, the other options for your primary were journalism or nonfiction or poetry, and I just wasn't particularly interested in devoting a ton of time to, to any of those things. So I ended up just taking both playwriting courses, and with religious studies, I got and the way it was, especially the way it was approached at Lang, I was very much an agnostic in a room full of hardcore atheists. <laughs> so when you go in there and you play devil's advocate, yeah. you know, I'm taking the side. Sometimes I ended up, like, academically fighting, this, fighting on the side of the, the zealot that I, I never fashioned myself to be, you know, for fun. What's cool about it is that a lot of it was, you know, very much based around, like, history, psychology, and, and all of those things. And, you know, politics, one of my favorite classes was uh, called History, Authority, and Power. Wow. One of my hardest classes, time. I would have
1: taken any class that had authority in it. Oh, yeah. It was great. Yeah, and your your parents are very political. Mm-hmm. Your mom's been a lot involved in local politics. Has your dad?
0: Yeah, so dad has been kind of through it side by side with my mom, step by step. You know, very much when they started getting involved in, in politics was from a grassroots organizing standpoint that started in the Kerry campaign in 2004, but really took off after Katrina, kind of organizing people in neighborhoods and... and kind of get, getting everybody connected again to each other. And so they started off with an email list where my mom and my dad had come from, like, a computer database building. And so they would kind of tackle on each project together. And he would come at it from the technical side. My, my mom would come at it kind of from the political side.
1: I love your parents so much. They're, they're like cool. They're like one of those couples that you're like, you actually like each other. Like, you still actually fucking like each other and it's it's so cute and beautiful and that's what you know, we'll get to Elaine and, and her wife but they're the same way and I, I love it. They're inspiring. It's also, you're just like, oh, that's so, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful to see it in real life, you know? Yes. You see it in the movies and, and it's great but yeah, they're totally on the same page and they have some Crazy stories about their radical days and about, you know, Katrina. And Katrina's always an interesting... Because for a lot of people, especially at the age you were at when Katrina happened, mm-hmm. like, that changes the... Like you said, it changes the the shift of your life because you had a plan and you could always come back to New Orleans and now you don't know if you can. So mm-hmm. it just... It changes everything.
0: Yeah. I think especially when... Like, I, I, I love the classic musical theater so much in my current job i will tap dance my way down a hallway (laughs) but it just it didn't feel it felt like i needed to be doing something different it felt like it wasn't i also just had to recognize at that point that i wasn't right for that field itself like part of it i had literally spent four years at noca like doing training doing one particular stretch that's supposed to guarantee you a to the floor split a perfect split if you do it Regularly enough and I did it almost every day for four years and it was my senior year the beginning of my senior year And I was sitting front and center in the class because I was a senior and I was down there My split and my 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 left hip was still too far out It was not properly rotated forward and I looked up at my teacher who had been my long-term mentor for years And I was like I pointed to my hip and I said is this hip ever gonna be in the right place? And he looked at me and he said no (laughs) And, like, it was all kind of part of a wake-up call that, like, I didn't have, that there were parts of theater that I really excelled at, really loved. I think I'd always loved being on stage and thrive in the presence of the light, but did not have the chops as a dancer or the chops as a vocalist to be a serious contender on a regional level, level on a New York level.
1: Yeah, and there's so, yeah, there's so many pieces to that. You can't just, Mm -hmm. like, and with, you know, because I do stand-up, I don't have to worry about, you know, if your voice sounds shitty, you just make fun of it. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm too short, who the fuck cares? Like, there's none of that, but I think with, like, theater and acting and different types of performances, that stuff matters, and a lot of it's out of your control. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't touch my toes, so the fact that you even got as far as you did in that split, to me, is amazing. And to so you, you're like, what happened with this hip? And I'm like, how mm-hmm. did you get where you, you know, it's all, uh... It's definitely a <laughs> it's matter of perspective, degrees. yeah. <laughs>
0: For sure. I think another element of it was control. And I couldn't, I didn't, I stopped, especially probably at a time where I, so much was out of my control. The idea of putting the next ten, if you're lucky, years of my life in the hands of other people and their opinion of me
1: just didn't seem to be something that I could really handle. I just... And did you always want to be a performer, or were you like a kid that performed and kind of fell into that...
0: That's a really good question. My first memories of theater are watching my sister on stage. She was almost three, two and two and a half, three years older than me, and she did plays. I actually, I guess I don't know what got, got her doing theater. I should ask. <laughs> um, but she, you know, we had both taken ballet when we were young, and then kind of not so much with the ballet. My mom, my mom before her political life and before her life as a mother, had been a professional ballet dancer.
1: Of course. Your mom's done everything. That's why I'm like, of course she was. Of course she was. She was a professional, whatever, professional, blank, fill in the blank. That's your mom.
0: Yep. Absolutely. And so very much knew the life of performing and just seeing Megan on stage. And I would just, apparently as a young, you know, I guess, I don't know. I'm the, yay. Three feet high. How old are you when you're three feet high? I don't know. I don't know. But I would go up to the front of the stage and I would watch. And she was in Your Good Man, Charlie Brown, and she was Marcy. And I, from watching her rehearsals, got cast in the role of Woodstock's friend. All right. That's it, your first credit. It was. <laughs> there were several Woodstock's friends. <laughs> I was obviously the best one. Um, but I started doing it. I did that. Um, she was in The Music Man, and I weasel my way into that. And then we started doing plays uh, with a group called Summer Stages. Just every summer we do a play. And there was a younger kids group and an older kids group. We would do those plays every summer. I also started in plays at Nord, um, at the Tri Tracy Theater, back before it was the Tri Tracy Theater. I think summer just currently is uh, Crescent City Lights Youth Theater. Okay, I've um, actually heard of that. They th- they do some great work. Yeah. Um. So I spent my summers doing that, and then it it was both I fell into it and I always wanted to do it, and it was hard. Cause
1: I always wonder that. Like, are you look at, like, Tiger Woods or, like, Venus and Serena, mm-hmm. and you're, like, at, at two years old, Tiger Woods' dad put, like, a two-year-old-sized golf club in his hand. And I was, like, how do you know that, like, this was, he happens to be really good at it, mm-hmm. but how do you know that that's his passion? And, mm-hmm. like, did he fall, like, did he happen, does he love golf? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, maybe we don't want to talk about Tiger, but, like, do <laughs> Venus and Serena love tennis? Like, no. it, or was it just, like, they're were trained to do it their whole life and it's just kind of what they do now so I always think that you know the chicken before the egg kind of question with performing is is interesting Uh Um, because some people fall into it but when you start as a a child it's like that's part of your development alright so you're in New York I'm in New York you got a religious studies degree uh huh What's your next step? What's your leave next New move? York. Okay, you get the fuck out. <laughs> bye. <laughs> winter, bye. It was winter. <laughs> it was
0: winter. I, I took a semester off of school and I came home. And honestly, for a couple months, I just kind of hang out. My sister is home. She and I lived together in New York for a year. And that was her senior year my freshman year of college. And then I moved into an apartment by myself. And then she moved home. Um, I guess I was in New York by myself for about a year and a half. Um, before I took a semester off and moved home, and that semester has now lasted oh, well, it, it's not quite ten years. She, she's I looking at the watch. <laughs> it's, I, guess it's, I guess it's a seven-year semester off at this at this point. Um, I came home and I kind of hung out for a couple months. I got the Mardi Gras that year. It was a great year. I believe that was the year that we were pirates. And then my parents were like, okay, if you're going to be here, you have to get a job. That's fair. (laughs) It was fair. Yeah. It was fair. And so I started working at a retail store in the French Quarter and just kind of found myself falling into a retail career. And then that was actually right when like the economy crashed. Yeah, I guess this is. Am I in 2008 now? I'm at some
1: probably like 2008 yeah. to 2010. If, about where we're uh, the timeline of my life matches up. I think it's about where we with at. the economy crashing, mm-hmm.
0: and then it just didn't really feel like it made sense for me to go back to New York in seven months. And so then I took another semester off, and then a semester became a couple years. And around this time is when I wrote my first... I I was really into writing at this point, playwriting, and this is where... So hanging out with my group of friends that worked at this retail store is how Elang was born. And Elang, we would have craft nights where we would all go over to our manager's house, who we were all... It was, like, seven people working in the store and we were all best friends. It was very cool. Now, when we had to uh, have tough conversations with each other, it didn't always go well. Yeah, there's
1: the, like, you've been late three times this week, but I love you. It's the... Just, I know you're going through some shit, but...
0: Yeah, it's like, I know I know your stuff's going... I know we were all out, hungover last night, but you still need to come to work. Yeah. And, uh, okay, you can't just stand by the register and ring everything up under your, your, your name to get the commission. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Not> okay. <laughs> and so, we were crafting and drinking, you know, and... It was, I didn't wear jeans very often at this point in my life. I did not wear jeans at all, but I was wearing jeans and no makeup, and my hair was still long, and I just felt very indie. And Elaine started off, and my, my friend's boyfriend at the time had a guitar. And so I was drunk, and I was joking around, and I picked up the guitar, and I was like, look at me. I'm like, it was, it was like a gesture to Phoebe Buffay and every indie singer-songwriter who's ever picked up a, picked up a guitar and told a story from the heart. But the joke was I did not know how to play the guitar <laughs>
1: neither does Phoebe Buffet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when you compare Phoebe Buffet and Elang. Um... She can
1: hit two notes though so. <laughs>
0: Very true. So I picked it up. I believe that night I sang songs about the, uh, So one of them was about the hot guy from Jurassic
1: Park 3. I'm still straight at this point. i <laughs> um, kind of straight. I'm not, really, I'm not really that straight now. Yeah, I was like, you say that. I'm like, well, there was a hot guy. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This it's cute. like, there was a,
0: a guy. Sam Neill's, like, assistant in Jurassic Park 3. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there was there was some joke that Elaine was making about, like, how he steals the egg in that movie. Mm. And that causes Velociraptors to go after them. So I was making a joke that he had stolen my eggs. <laughs> and something about that. And so just a couple of, like, random things things that she was singing about and so elaine became this character and when we, we would get together we would have our parties and elaine would do a set <laughs> and that's how elaine was born
1: yeah no, that's awesome you got to keep your performer side going even when you know that wasn't mm-hmm. your focus so yeah. that's really cool and I, I think having a character too that allows you probably to be more free definitely and maybe that's what, you know, with theater, like, they're teaching you how to do a process that people have done a million times, a million ways, you know, and, and there's this focus of, like, this is how we do theater. And then when you're e you can do whatever the fuck you want. Your yeah. songs don't have to have a verse. They can just be all, like, whatever you want to do, you could do it. And that seems more your style.
0: Definitely. I think mean, there became, so she, she evolved over time, but there became this element of, the best of Wayne Brady from Whose Line Is It Anyway would do these amazing improv- improvised songs where just the lyrics seemed, how could he just be making this up on his spot? Where Elaine would do improvised songs and her ly- lyrics
1: would barely make sense.
0: <laughs> Occasionally hit on something hilarious and brilliant. But most of the time, just flailing.
1: Yeah, and the other thing is, even when you hit something brilliant, because I do this in comedy sometimes when I'm like, I have this idea, and I'm just gonna go on stage and like vomit it out and see what mm-hmm. happens. And even if I hit something brilliant, if I don't record it, I have no it's idea. Not and when I ask everybody, they were drinking, so <laughs> it's not exactly. helpful. So you have those moments you have to remember them or record them so that you can at least play it back and figure out what the fuck you did.
0: Yes. Definitely, there was and so around this time is when I wrote my first show, which was uh, called Elang featuring Plan B, and I, I also feel like I need to clarify the spelling of Elang at this point is a lowercase e. And then a period and then lowercase L A N G. As people have known me and, and call me Elang, a lot of people around New world think my name's Elaine. They they just think my name's Elaine from like from from Seinfeld, like a regular name. <laughs> they just think that's my name and why it's my stage name. Nobody knows.
1: Yeah, I never knew because I met you uh, as a performer. You performed mm-hmm. in a show I hosted. I met you as Elang, mm-hmm. and then I, I hear people call you Erica. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, who the fuck is Erica? And I'm like <laughs> talking to you. So, And I always feel weird too when I meet people with a stage name mm-hmm. that like that's the name that's in my in my yeah. head. And then I'm like, but they might not go by this in real life. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. So I never asked. I actually mm-hmm. never asked you. So I started going by both. Okay. Um, that makes it easier. Yeah. Um, some people really,
0: really, especially these days, kind of, I think as people have more awareness of, of being correct around like how people like to be referred to, whether it's pronouns or, or, or names or anything like that. People will really just be like, no, really, like, you tell me what it is to call you. And I'm like, I really, it's really both. it, it, it And yeah. it varies. Chris was actually, so the person I ended up falling desperately in love with and marrying was the first person to really, to call me Elang outside of, like, me actually literally being on stage. So I wrote my, my first show in the Fringe Fest, which was Elang featuring my sidekick Plan B. And that went into the New Orleans Fringe Fest in November of 2011. Which was really cool for me. It was like my big like, swing kind of back into theater, back into that world, which was really exciting. And in the audience of that show was my future wife.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Is that mm-hmm. how you guys, did you already know her or is that how you met? We did not meet that Or is that right. where she saw you and, yeah, because m- my girlfriend actually met, we met at Mom's Ball. She'd seen me perform before, so she mm-hmm. saw me perform. Um, and then she she ran into me at a Halloween ball called Mom's Ball in New Orleans and then came up to me. And because I had performed and she had, she saw me, she came up to me and said, Hey, you know, I saw you do comedy. You're really funny. And then I was like, Hey, girl, hit me up on Facebook because that's my line. I'm like, Hey, girl, hit me up on Facebook. <laughs> but I guess it worked because we've been together almost two years now. So,
0: Yeah, definitely. It's especially funny because most of that first show, the big running joke throughout it is, Elang kind of describing her different experiences, like her her whole story is like all the it's basically a famous dudes she slept with and like sketches where my my sidekick plan B would be that guy and it's literally Tom Hanks is one of them uh, Barack Obama was on the list um kevin bacon and harry
1: potter i was I like i heard people say ones. kevin spacey
0: no i, see, it was, I was thinking of kevin bacon and i was this close to saying kevin spacey and i was like it couldn't have been no
1: you're like that's not right no
0: um and then that was the first time i wrote an eight minute rap song um was was will you love me parentheses when i'm naked
1: which my sister oh, that's and a I, good song
0: mm-hmm, that's a good song my sister wrote that together smoking clove cigarettes in my parents' backyard.
1: Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, Clothes. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. They are inspiring, though.
0: <laughs> they are, yeah. And so then two months later, I walked. I had been, I was going on a first date um, with a kid that I met in a bar um, who was very sweet and very nice. And he was like, do you want to, like, let's go out on a first date. And we, he was like, do you want to go to the country club? Have you ever been? And I was like, I'd been there once. And I was like, yeah, I've been there before. He's like, okay, cool. So let's go get some oysters and then we'll go to the country club. And I was like, all right, that's fine. My first guess was how long is it going to take for him to say something about oysters being an aphrodisiac? How long? Like, I think we made it five minutes. We're walking to, I can't remember what, it's one of those big like oyster seafood bars on bourbon. That he had some gifts Did he or... say it and then do, like, three eyebrow
1: raises and a wink? It was more kind like, of hey, guns. Yeah. It's was like, heh, like, heh. So... I just picture, like, this cheesy guy. Oh, like, I, you know.
0: Yeah, it's more like, I think he was trying to be that guy a little bit, but <laughs> didn't quite make it. He was very sweet. But, yeah, we got some way. I was like, yeah, my name's Never do, Uh-huh. And then we went to the country club, and I walked in the door, and Chris is behind the bar, and she looks at me, and she points. She goes, I know you. You're Elang. I saw your show in the French Festival and you need to be in the Vagina Monologues, is basically how
1: it started. Oh, wow, that makes us, uh, you know, everyone jokes about how we rec- recruit and it's like, <laughs> yeah, you got recruited, girl. <laughs> yeah, straight up recruited. Yeah,
0: honey, come be in the Vagina Monologues, <laughs> I'll direct you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I believe my response was I stuck up my hand and said, it's always good to meet a fan. <laughs> and that night she recruited me for the Vagina Monologues. Um, and as far as, like, my, like, identity was at that point, like, I knew that I was queer, like, I knew that I was interested in women, there was a girl in college that i got gotten really close to that, you know, if I had stayed in New York, something would have happened, but, um, that I, that I'd been really close to. So, like, I'd kind of been, like, settling into this identity for a while, but didn't really know how to, like, talk about it, or how to, I was like, I don't know how to, flirt with women like how do you go sleep with a woman I just don't know so so I'll just I'll just stick with, just the guys are here so it's fine
1: yeah and they're clearly you know taking you out for oysters So mm-hmm. oh yeah what aphrodisiacs are so. mm-hmm.
0: yeah and then that night she um I told her I think I gave her my number and I told her to call me and set up an audition and like a couple weeks later Jeff and I went back and I was like she was like Dealing you're back and I was like Chris you never emailed me you Never." she said she had lost my card and I was like oh yeah mm-hmm. you did I just did not she this 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 person is not about to just, like, have me be in her show. That's not a thing.
1: Yeah. Like, she doesn't just point to me and then that's, I'm in a show and that's how it works. You're like, I went to school for this. I know the process.
0: (laughs) And so we ended up, we did arrange um, a reading. She asked me to pick out a couple monologues to read. I picked the dominatrix monologue. Oh, you were going all in. Mm-hmm. I, I picked the Dominatrix monologue and My Angry Vagina, which were like the two powerhouse monologues. Yeah. And I really wanted to do one of them. And I come in, she's like, what about the old lady one?
1: <laughs> okay, she's not so smooth. She's losing smooth. I love her, and she is smooth. But right now, she's losing smooth. Right now she,
0: she's smooth as hell. She's just not trying to hit it. <laughs> like,
1: she's just like, this is a talented person,
0: and I saw her, and I... I, I I'm
1: going to keep it so professional. Here's how professional. Do the old lady. Do the
0: old lady, so... <laughs> I, I do do the old lady and I get cast as the old lady. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. It's an amazing monologue. It's so good and it's so funny and sweet. I really love it. If you haven't, if you haven't ever heard that monologue from the dad monologues, find just someone doing the flood is the name of it and it's it's so good and so sweet and I had a ton of fun doing it and just throughout working on that project is kind of how we got to know each other. I uh, I broke up with the gentleman <laughs> that I had been seeing. When I broke up with him, we were at the country club.
1: There seems to be a theme here.
0: There is. <laughs> and Chris was bartending that night. And so apparently he had come in. He was a regular of hers. And when we planned our date, he had come in and said, like, I'm bringing my date in here. It's going to be so good. I'm sure you talked about how pretty I was. She's like, she's so like this. You know, <laughs> taught me up. And he shows her my picture. And she's like, I know that girl.
1: That's oh, wow. That, so she knew. that. She knew, okay, And she knew I was coming. Oh, so she, okay. She had a little proper. Okay, maybe she's a little smoother than I thought. i gonna give her points back. Maybe. Yeah. And so when we broke up, he asked me, he was like, are you seeing anybody else? A guy or a girl or Chris maybe? Oh, wow. So he called it. Easy. Easy call. <laughs> <And> then <laughs> well, he blushed was, like you are now. <laughs> I blushed really hard. I was
0: like, I'm not ready to be with anybody the way that, that, that you want to be with me. I just need to call up before he said, I love
1: you. Yeah. I think was on the way, and so. And you weren't there.
0: I wasn't, and he was very fun and very sweet guy. Um, He treated me very, very sweetly. But it was just time for
1: something else. Alright, so a couple months later, you get with Chris. Do you tell people right away? Like, do you have a coming out process, I guess, or is it just like I'm dating this person now? That's a
0: really good question. Um, We didn't. It's also a vocal tick I have saying, that's a really good
1: question. <laughs> oh, I just thought I had really great questions. Yes, wait, no, like,
0: I'm he, like, thank you. They're very good questions. Um, of monster. God, I'm an asshole. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, they are excellent questions. I don't say it for every question. <laughs> that's
1: true. That mm-hmm. is true. I have to earn it.
0: You do. She. So we didn't date or use words like girlfriend for a really long time. We got very close very fast. She was really important to me really quickly. We spent a lot of time hanging out, not romantically, but like working on the project, going out, staying out way too late. One particular like well, the first night we went out out, we saw the dawn. Oh wow. And I called out to work the next day. <laughs> and that day she brought me to her mom's birthday party. I was her present. So very close very quickly, but she and I were both cautious about I think she more than me. I was just trying to... I couldn't imagine that she was going to stick around. She was was very self-assured, very sure of who she was as a person, which was incredibly attractive and just so fun and so goal-oriented at the same time. A lot of times people that are that fun are a little all over the place. They can be a lot of a mess, and that's, that's a lot of... There's a lot of love for people like that, and a lot of times... People that are that goal-oriented or that, um, focused can, yeah, loosen up a little bit.
1: Yeah, that's that, comp- that balance.
0: Yeah. She's very, incredibly smart, very opinionated, very strong-willed, but also incredibly open to being wrong and open to new information and open to changing her mind. And so much, so much of that I hadn't really experienced in a person before like that, and are really hot, very
1: hot person. Doesn't hurt.
0: Not, not, not hurt, no. <laughs> and so we used the word slam piece for, once we started, you know, basically started being very good friends that are sleeping together, we used the word slam piece for a while. Slam piece? <laughs> and like, but like the whole idea of a slam piece is that you slam it and then you peace out. Ah, got it. And obviously none of those were piecing out. I was out. like, what are these two words that are being put together? Mm-hmm. You slam and then you piece.
1: Yeah. That's was yeah. a joke.
0: But we were really intentional about talking a lot about, you know, what it, what would it mean for us to become exclusive. And we weren't officially exclusive for many, 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 many months. Even though I don't, I don't really know how important monogamy was to me at the time. I know that neither of us had the time to be with anybody else or to figure it out. Yeah. Um, was so, one thing.
1: yeah. Sometimes it's not even like that. You're actually monogamous. Like you might actually be monogamous but still be open, you're just, you don't have time for that shit, or, like, everyone else, you don't want to deal with them, but when you actually call it, when you actually say, like, we are now monogamous, is different than, like, Mm -hmm. this is, this is open, but we're not actually doing anything about it, so I think that's a huge step.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, first it was very much about kind of walking forward and then turning around and seeing where the, where the milestone was, so turn around and be like, well, I guess we're monogamous, we're not, we sure aren't, yeah, no, like, it already happened, it already (laughs) happened, and the same thing with girlfriend, you know? For a lot of reasons, that just wasn't the right word for us for a long time, and by the time we started using a word like girlfriend, fiance it wasn't far away.
1: Yeah, and then you uh had two really cool proposals. We did.
0: Um. Yes. So Chris proposed to me. We talked about oh, for a long time about what gay marriage meant to have, what getting married would mean to us, was getting married even something that was important to us. And I guess I'd kind of I'd known for sure that I always wanted to parent, whether or, or not I would do that with another person was anybody's guess and for us it was really very literal you know we mixed finances really early on we had you know joint joint checking accounts and things like that to kind of navigate our uh day-to-day uh as soon as one of her roommates moved out and there was a free room i was in there it started to feel like that level of seriousness down the line and for us it was less ro- it was very romantic but also the whole po- we, we weren't doing it to be married we were doing it for you know to have for each of to be protected and for any other you know benefits that would come from that paperwork being sealed and so it was april 20th i don't know what year and then uh we were planning a, a beach vacation uh like a beach weekend we would we would very often do weekends in pensacola or a couple days one of the first the first time i think we went was for pensacola pride and that year i just happened to have memorial weekend off and chris was like no you gotta come this biggest gay party on the beach it's amazing get my convertible and come with me to florida you're like all right (laughs) i was like all right that sounds great (laughs) sign me up it was and we camped on the beach we had a great time and so we would go every we've only missed one year since we've been together of of that that particular memorial weekend event in florida which is amazing and if you are at all interested in a bunch of gay people Mm -hmm. on a beach and you haven't been uh highly recommend would go again and so, but we would do just an occasional beach weekend, like any weekend I was free. And like working retail at this point, I do not have a lot of weekends off, but when I have one, if it was warm weather, we would drive down there. And so she was just really, really recruiting this weekend to try to get our friends going, to try to get more people to come. We ended up with a good crew. Um, a couple of friends of mine that hadn't come with us before, I think we had in total like nine or so people that, that were just planning to come down for the day even. And we went down there and... We always, multiple times we've gotten, like, a like a baby pool to inflate and to use as a boat. It is very fun nice.
1: to go out on the ocean That's very smart, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's easy, too. I'm like, I can do that. You can do that. Yeah. You, too, can boat. Everything else in the ocean seems too complicated. No, just giant floaty.
0: That's all you I mean. And so we had one, and then so we, bl- we blew it up, and Chris was like, no, I need to blow it up. And she kept telling me not to drink too much. And I'm like, what is the big deal?
1: That thing? makes me want to drink more.
0: This is what I'm saying. <laughs> she's like, no, it's just it's gonna be a long day. We've got a lot of people here. And I just need you to not. And I'm like, all right, Ooh. fine. And so we go and we get in the boat. And, and she's like, we, she announces to everybody, we're gonna go take the boat out. Does anybody want to come? And like we have like one friend with us who like always says yes to anything like activity related. And I expected that there's room for five in this boat, and I'm ready for a crowd. Everyone's like. Now we're good, which was clue number one. <laughs> yeah, no one's coming up on the magical boat ride. It's a whole act natural,
1: <laughs> and then they don't <laughs>
0: exactly. And so we go in the water, and it's very cold. And she, we, she takes the, um, we take the boat out, and Chris is being very, very butch. And uh, I'll, I'll pull, I'll pull us out. You stay in the boat, sweetheart. And so I'm just sitting there with my like high waisted bathing suit, and my big old floppy hat, and it's cold. And she's turning around, she's looking at me, and I'm facing away from the beach. Um, which I think is my own choice, but I think it's, in retrospect, obviously planned. And she's like, oh, she's complaining. She's like, oh my god, it's so cold, it's so cold. I'm like, well, why don't I do something to warm you up? So this is this is also, like, the the, the extended version of this story. I don't always tell this middle part. <laughs> like, why don't I do something to warm you up? And so I lift my bathing suit top. And she stares at me, and she goes... I can't believe you're doing this. What are you doing? I just can't believe. I'm like, I'm sunk down. Like, no one can see me. Like, it's just you. That's also not the response I wanted right now. No, not at all. Nobody (laughs) wants that response. She's like, I can't believe what you're doing. And so, I was like, whatever. Like, I'm being adventurous. And, at one point, she, I don't really remember what happens next. And, I hear something behind me. And I turn around, and I see, my friends are standing on the beach with a bunch of signs. But they don't make sense. It says, uh, question mark, hard really gay marry you will <laughs> or
1: something like, like is, that like in is re- this fucking yoda in star wars <laughs> exactly
0: and in a verse it says will you gay marry me really hard that's cute which is really cute because yeah. you to say like are you sure you want to gay marry me baby i'm gonna gay marry you so hard that's where it comes from and so she i turn around and i'm like i am topless in this boat and i was like i see her jumping into the into the boat and i was like don't don't you dare! I start screaming at her. To stop! So I can adjust myself. <laughs> I adjust myself, and um, she jumps in the boat, and um, she has the ring that she tricked me into thinking somebody had else. had bought off Etsy, but the ring that I had selected, but she tricked me into thinking uh was oh, a that's surprise. That's smart. Yeah, it was good. that's pretty good. It was good. Um, she apparently went through a whole trouble of getting a waterproof box, box filled with water. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's a That's ring. funny like, now, because it fine. rings okay we it can talk fine. about it, yeah.
0: And so we turn around and so like we, we're celebrating, we're like making out in the boat and then we realize we're like drifting out. <laughs> oh shit. And so we like start like swimming into shore and our friends come full so that we just hang out on the beach and camp out there on there. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. That's okay. good. And then you asked her and then I, I asked believe... her. Mm-hmm. She's always really loved my performing and my writing and at this point I've done another I think at this point I've done E Lang two electric boogaloo. And so I wrote a a a rap. I wrote I wrote a song and I, I we went with our families to um Christmas in the Oaks. And I knew like if I went on my way to plan a big event, she really does a lot of like the depending on like the social calendar for us. I knew if I went on my way to plan a really big event, it would send up red flags. So I just kinda of waited until there was an appropriate event. Yeah. Um and at Christmas in the Oaks we were we kind of go for a walk in the botanical gardens and i was kind of looking for like the right place to do it. Like I'm looking for a bench to jump up on or a place that's well lit or I'm just kind of wandering around, and everyone's following me, and everybody except it's Chris. like, why is he laying in this tree? <laughs> everybody, <laughs> right, I should have done it in a tree. Everybody but Chris knows exactly what's happening. And so everyone's following me diligently, but just okay. like, where are we going? What are we doing? Are, we doing
1: are they acting right? natural, or are they acting unnatural because they're, they're supposed to act very natural? acting unnatural.
0: Chris storms over me. She goes, Elaine, what are you doing? Everyone's what's being happening? really weird. You need to decide where we're going. Where are we going? And I was like, uh, just give me a minute. And I turn around, I just jump on the nearest bench. And start to speak out loud my uh, my uh, my song my rap my poem to her, um, and her proposal, Aww. which was
1: very surprising to her. She I, said and yes. I had her I
0: had her ring. She did say yes. It was really great. Yeah, it was delightful. And
1: you guys were the first gay couple to be married in Orleans Parish.
0: We were the first gay couple married. With a license issued in Orleans Parish. I was like, I knew there was a technicality. A technicality.
1: I wasn't sure if you got the license first or if someone else mm-hmm. had got the license, but you actually, you know, yeah. made so it There to was the a marriage. couple that
0: got, there was the first couple that got a license in Louisiana, which is a couple in Jefferson Parish that actually worked for the county, for that clerk's office. Then there was a couple who had, the day before, been the first, they were the first guys, like, at the Office of Vital Records downtown. As soon as it really came down, they like went, and they're like, okay, license please, and then they tread water all day into dying a license, basically. The next day, they get a license from Jefferson Parish, come back to New Orleans, and they get married here. Then Chris and I, I believe the next day, go to the Algiers courthouse, take a ferry over um, to the Algiers courthouse, and um, get married there at 2 p.m. Reporters had been calling them all day, apparently, saying, Who's there? Like, are you going to get married? Are yeah. you going to... Where's all the she, queers? Is where the queers are
1: yet? The queers in the house? We're like, no one ever asked us Where's that? the
0: line? <laughs> and that was a, that was honestly, I think, a disappointment for Chris that she she really wanted... A lot of why we had we'd talked a lot. So we were, ended up being engaged for three years. Um, talking a lot about where and how to get married. What mattered to us. And I kept changing my mind one weekend, I would say. Let's drive to the nearest place we could which at that time was Illinois which was like a 13 hour drive and I'm like mm-hmm. we've got the day off let's go do it it's finally just,
1: yeah this just rally I'm so fed <laughs> a bunch up of Red and Bull forth. and fucking go
0: oh god emotional roller coaster. because I kept changing my mind she was like I will do whatever you want like it's fine but we we really did want to get married here so we ended up had a 2 p.m. appointment at the Algiers courthouse and we got a license from there and just kind of happened to be the first ones there wasn't a line of people down the door, I think in Louisiana, particularly because it was so unclear as to what was happening when at the time Bobby Jindal's running for president.
1: And... Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> uh huh, isn't that
0: cute? <laughs> and so he's running for it prison. was cute yeah and so like I think that putting up as many blockades as he could at the time was um I believe Buddy Caldwell was still the attorney general at the time yeah. and was they were really just putting up all the blockades they could to kind of take their last stand so we got the first license issued in Orleans Parish and we got married on the balcony there for, with uh, Judge Tina Traham who had also married my sister about a year prior and then there was another first which were the first guys that were issued a license from the Office of Vital Records on the East Bank in Orleans Parish yeah, okay. So East Bank of New Orleans was actually the last place in Louisiana you could get a marriage license because that was the only office directly controlled by the state office.
1: I'm so glad. And you guys, like I said, you guys are such an awesome couple. Yeah. Um, and thank you so much for hanging out with us at Near and Queer to My Heart. Yeah,
0: thank you for having me. And I think
1: we're going to go do some karaoke now, right? I think a karaoke isn't might that, be
0: possible. Isn't that what we do after I podcasting? I feel like that's happening.
1: But yeah, thank you so much, Elaine. Thank you.
0: The Often imitated, never duplicated. Ring! The nicest thing anyone said about me. I'm just going to start. I wake up in the morning at the crack of dawn. I hit snooze, snooze, snooze on my 6 a.m. alarm. I roll my body over on the other woman in the bed. Her eyes flicker open and she gently strokes my head. Another magical day with my baby Butch They We're celebrating and we're living that wife life today. Get in the car and I go to the grocery store. I got to get some food to feed our family of four. Oh, we don't have kids yet. We live with my mom and dad. Hi, mom and dad. We're saving four a down payment on our very own pad. How millennial! I know, we have our limits and our boundaries to ensure that we all can get a little privacy. Back to dinner, y'all, we're gonna have some meatballs and spaghetti. Then for dessert, I'm a big funfetti. Spend all day in the kitchen just where I'm supposed to be because I like it in there. Not because society expects women to be there gently and subserviently. Honey, I'm in the kitchen because I choose to be living the wife life. Woohoo! <laughs> i got a push up button, pearls, and a house to keep. That's the wife of life. Make dinner, watch Rachel Maddow, then go to sleep. That's the life of life. Y'all. I love myself and I love my wife. I'm subverting the subversive every day of my life. Now my wife does her wiping a bit different from me. She's her most comfortable best in a white Hanes tee. No dresses in her closet, no heels on her feet. She's the handsomest baby butt she ever didn't meet. Sorry, now I don't mean to object to fire, but in the sky of my libido she's a frequent flyer. <laughs> but as a wife she is more than a piece of ass though I admit she is a delicious piece of ass. Did I mention that she's got a ridiculous ass <laughs> but what I admire is her mind running a million miles a minute thinks it up and executes no hesitation she's committed always questioning the quo of the status that's before us devouring life like a tyrannosaurus and she is sensitive like a clitoris <laughs> Master of communicating, the one who's analyzing and articulating the mile-wide minefield inside our minds. We're gonna talk and figure out what our thoughts are about. So at the end of the day, there is still no doubt. It's just me and my baby and our Kate McKinnon Bieber pals. Woo! Oh, that's the wife
1: life,
0: y'all. Woo! I got a full face of makeup. Fuck the patriarchy. That's the wife life. <laughs> my wife doesn't wear makeup. Fuck the patriarchy. Yeah. That's the wife life, you <laughs> no. We can confidently say, fuck the patriarchy. I love myself and I love my wife. I'm subverting the subversive every day of my life. Happy hour is at home. With a glass of wine, hook up a cheese plate, and we're both feeling better than fine. With an aggressive cheddar and a salty-ass blue, it's just me and my boo. And our Netflix queue is getting late, y'all. Maybe it's a time to romance. I slide my hand down the front of my partner's pants. Then we decide we're both tired, so we'll just hold hands. I'm legally obligated to tell me that I'm pretty. So no, monogamy doesn't have to be shitty. Just you and me and the birds and the bees between the sheets at least once a week. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less, but I have a lot of fun when we undress. So I just lie there and flop around. I know you like it when I make those sexy sounds. But then i put it while I'm lying there. Then I run my fingers through your very fine hair. I squeeze you all tight when I'm almost done. Watch out, baby butch, because here I come.
1: Woo.
0: Um, Woo. Ah. Um someone feeds the dogs and someone feeds the cats and put on PJs in the West Wing and that is that Someone puts on coffee, someone else forgets and snaps Someone apologizes for overreacting again Someone just has to stay up and puts her headphones in Someone reaches over for one last good night, Kiss someone is sleeping like an angel And we're living our bliss and that's the wife life, y'all Woo! The history of wifing is not unproblematic. Historically, a wife arrives with a bonus added, a lot of cash from her dad and a herd of cattle. Through the history of the world, we bought and sold girls, set their prices based on faces or beneficial relations. They've been tools to use in service of the patriarchy. Marry off your daughters. They're basically currency. And it's an evil that is not yet entirely undone. Our daughters face dangers that don't affect our sons, so nobody is only a role within a marriage. And when I say we don't use husbands, it's not men I disparage. break the stereotype, or make it work for you. Like, what do you ask of your wife? What do you want her to do? Take care of cooking and cleaning. Maybe pets and kids, too. You want her to be there when it's good and be there when it's shit. You want her to listen and you want her respect. You want her to take care of the family and take care of you, but that doesn't work if it's only on one person's plate to do. I guess the only thing that's better than one wife is two. (laughs) some don't dig monogamy some prefer to be alone some really don't like to use that particular word i'm going to clarify my message so i'm sure that it's heard no matter who it is or how it is you share your love whether from far away or close as a hand in a glove taking care is the heart and soul of being a wife couldn't we all use a little more care in our life take care of each other in the space we share let love in and dish it out from each moment to another maybe we all should just be wives to each other live the wife's life yeah. Yeah nice things that's the wife life <laughs> together facing the challenges life inevitably brings that's the wife life <laughs> and that's the end of this song that's all i've got to say so go forth my friends and wife it up today
1: thank y'all so much for tuning in thank you also to our guest Elang for sharing her world with you And thank you to our sponsor, Deskables. Hate cooking and yourself? Does meal prep stress you out? Need a quick bite to eat so you can spend your lunch alone in your office for your daytime cry? Have we got the product for you, Deskables. These affordable, easy to eat meals will satisfy your hunger and your wallet. We have so many varieties, bologna and cheese, bologna and bacon, even just plain bologna. Just remember, a sad lunch is better than no lunch. Found at Dollar General, Dollar Tree, Family Dollar, and any other store with the word dollar in it. Special thanks to Jessica Fallon and Ryan Golub for your help editing and producing the show, and to Laura Sanders for creating our logo. Thank you to all our friends and supporters out there. You can check out Greetings from Queer Mountain live in New Orleans, Austin, and New York City. Check out our Facebook page for more information. Thank you. <laughs>